We're going to wrap up our current sermon series uh, called Take Up. This is part four. And uh, in just a minute, we're going to unpack Luke chapter number nine. Specifically, we're going to hang our hat on verse number 26 today. And we'll get to that in just a second. But let me just remind you where we have been so far. And then we're going to read our entire uh, core passage that we've been talking about over the last three weeks or so, okay? In part one, Trent did a great job at helping us understand that Jesus extends an invitation to everybody. Uh, Jesus said, if anyone wants to be my follower. So Jesus said, I pick you. I choose you to be on my team because I've given you gifts and talents and abilities. I want to use you to make a difference in your world for my kingdom, in week number two, we talked about the cost of following Jesus. Jesus said, if anyone wants to follow me, you have to deny yourself, you have to take up your cross, and you have to follow me. And we learned in week number two that if we choose to be on team Jesus, there is a cost to following Jesus. He said, we got to deny ourselves daily, and we've got to take up our cross, and we got to follow him. And then last week, Tim did a great job at helping us understand. Basically, we answered the question last week, is it really worth it to following Jesus? And the answer to that question is a resounding yes. We will never, ever, ever regret identifying ourselves as a Christ follower and being obedient to the things that Jesus teaches us in his word as we live out our faith every single day. So as we begin today, let me ask you a question. Is there anybody here today that you've ever done something you are ashamed of? Let me see your hand, all right? I, I got both hands up on that one, okay? All right, so, so we all can agree there's been something that we've done in our life that we've been ashamed of. And let me tell you about one of the things in my life uh, that I've been really ashamed of over the years. There was a period of time in my life uh, I got saved as a child and, and, and I grew up in a Christian home. I didn't really get serious about my faith until I was about a senior in high school. And uh, that was in 1989 when I graduated from high school. And in 1993, uh, there was no doubt that God called me into full-time Christian ministry. I was working with students at the time. I loved being a youth pastor. I felt like that's what God wanted me to do. And uh, uh, so, so I surrendered my life to full-time vocational ministry in 1993. Uh, but after just a few years uh, of, of trying to get my feet wet in ministry, trying to serve the Lord in the local church context, things weren't going the way that I thought they should go. And God wasn't doing the things that I thought God should do for me because I surrendered my life to him. And I, I just thought I had to say so in what it was that God wanted me to do. And to make a long story short, there's a period of time in my life in the late 90s and early 2000s where I basically walked away from my calling. And I said, God, if you're not going to open the doors that I think you ought to open and put me where you, I think you ought to put me, then I'm just going to go do my own thing. I'm just going to get a job and I'm just going to work hard. And, and that's exactly what I did. And I, I started working with this company and, and I started having some success and started kind of uh, climbing the, uh, the chain of command, so to speak. And, and in those years, I had an opportunity to build a lot of relationships. And there's one particular guy in, in, in particular that... I just got really close to, but there was, there was nothing in my life in, in, in that brief period of time that was distinctly Christian in my work life. In other words, I didn't talk about my faith publicly with my coworkers. Uh, there, there probably wasn't anything that, that when they looked at my life, they would say, well, that guy follows Jesus. He's a Christ follower. And I remember when I moved back to Florida in 2001 through a series of events 
where God kind of helped me get my act together and I totally surrendered to whatever God wanted to do in my life and God called us to plant a church and and so we planted that church and I began pastoring and I kind of lost touch with this guy uh, for, for a little while. But then we reconnected in the early 2000s and he called me out of the blue one day. He said, hey, Brian, I'm going to be coming to Florida and I was wondering if I could stop by and see you. And I'm like, yeah, man, I'd love to see you. That's cool. Stop by. And then I knew he was going to ask me this question at some point in time. He said, oh, by the way, what are you doing now? And I had this long, awkward pause and I kind of, I kind of uh, swallowed my tongue a little bit and I said, you're never going to believe this. I said, but I'm a pastor. And he just went silent for just a minute. And he's like, oh, really? I said, yeah, really? And then we started having this great conversation about, and I finally got bold enough and courageous enough to share with him about that period of time where we worked together day in and day out, and I had to apologize to him and say, you know what? I wasn't faithful to what I knew was the right thing to do. But I finally got my life kind of straightened out, and, and God's doing some amazing things in my life. And I'm proud to say that since that time, that fellow has become a Christ follower, and he's involved in a local church. But, but that's been a period of time in my life where I look back on, you know what? I was ashamed to identify with Jesus. Partly out of, out of fear, because I knew that what was wrong was what was wrong in, in my heart. And I know that that's something that we all struggle with. And we're going to talk a little bit about um, that today. So I want to read our, our core passage of scripture in Luke chapter 9, verses 23 through 26. And then we're going to focus in on verse 26 today. Okay, so here we go. Luke chapter 9, verse number 23. It says, then Jesus said to them, if anyone wants to come with me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, lose it, but whoever loses his life because of me will save it. What is a man benefited if he gains the whole world yet loses or forfeits himself? For whoever, this is where we're going to focus on today, verse 26. For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man, that's Jesus, will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and that of the Father and of the holy angels. The first thing I want to do today is I want to try to paint a picture for you of, of what Jesus's glory looks like. And I hope that as I try to paint this picture from scripture today, that, that the scriptures that we're gonna read are gonna be very motivating to us to help us understand that when Jesus says, uh, for whoever is ashamed of me and my words, that the son of man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and that of the father and of the holy angels. So let's do a little audience participation for just a minute, okay? Uh, let's just imagine that we could physically, physically be in Jesus's presence today. If we could physically be in Jesus's presence today, what are some things that you think we would see and hear? Anybody? Say it again. Trumpets, okay, it's good. What else? What do you think we would see and hear? Love, okay? Praising. What else? Peace, okay? Well, let's read a little bit about what Scripture has to say. Jump down to verse 28, okay? Just a couple verses down. 
We're gonna read this story real quick about a time where Peter and John had an opportunity to physically be in Jesus' presence. And I want you to listen to the imagery of the passage of scripture. It says, about eight days after these words, after Jesus had just made uh, uh, this statement to the disciples that we just read, it says, after about eight days after these words, he took Peter, John, and James, and he went up on the mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his, of his face changed, and his clothes, his clothes became dazzling white. And suddenly, two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah. And they appeared in glory and were speaking of his death, which he was about to accomplish in Jerusalem. Peter and those with him were in a deep sleep, and when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men who were standing with him, and the two men were departing from him. Peter said to Jesus, Master, it's good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah, and not knowing what he had said. And while he was saying this, look here, a cloud appeared and overshadowed them, and they became afraid as they entered the cloud. Then a voice came from a cloud saying, this is my, is my son, the chosen one, listen to him. And after the voice had spoken, only Jesus was found, and they kept silent, and in those days told no one what they had seen. Now, let me go to the Old Testament in Daniel chapter number seven. Let's continue. Again, listen to the, uh, the, the, the imagery of the moment when people are, are, are in Jesus's presence, okay? In Daniel chapter seven, verses number nine and 10, uh, God gives Daniel a vision of heaven one day. Here's what he says. He says, as I kept watching, this is Daniel, Thrones were set in place, and the Ancient of Days, that's Jesus himself, took his seat. And his clothing was white like snow, and the hair of his head like white as, white as wool. And his throne was flaming fire, and its wheels were blazing fire. And a river of fire was flowing, coming out from his presence, and then thousands upon thousands served him." 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him and the court was convened and the books were opened. One more passage of scripture in Revelation chapter number four. Revelation chapter number four, it says, after this I looked and there in heaven was an open door. The first voice that I heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. And immediately I was in the spirit. This is John the apostle. God's given him a picture of, of his throne room in heaven with Jesus on the throne. Immediately I was in the spirit and there in heaven a throne was set and one seated on the throne and the one seated looked like jasper and carnelian stone. A rainbow that looked like an emerald surrounded the throne and around the throne were 24 thrones and on the throne sat 24 elders dressed in white clothes and with gold crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and thunder and burning before the throne were seven fiery torches which are the seven spirits of God. 
Also before the throne were something like a sea of glass, similar to crystal. In the middle and around the throne were four living creatures covered with eyes in front and in back. And the first living creature was like a lion. And the second living creature was like a calf. And the third living creature was like a man. And the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. And each of the four living creatures had six wings and they were covered with eyes around inside and out. Day and night, they never stopped saying, holy, 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 Lord God, the almighty who was, who is, and who is coming. Do you get the picture of what Jesus's glory is really all about? When Jesus said, whoever is ashamed of me, I will be ashamed of them when I come into my glory and that of the Father and of the holy angels. Jesus is making reference to a a point in time in future when we will all stand before him and give an account. And this is a big deal. This is not just like our, our boss or our manager calling us into his cubicle to have a conversation. Okay, this is a moment in time where we will all stand before the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and give an account of our life. And I don't know about you, but when I read scriptures like that, it's very humbling to me that to think that one day I, Brian Baker, am gonna stand before the God of the universe. I'm gonna stand before my Lord and my Savior who died for me, who loved me, and gave his life for me. And I'm gonna give an account of my life. And I don't know what that makes you think about, but you know, when I stand in that moment, I don't wanna be ashamed of King Jesus. Romans chapter number 14 and verse number 10, the apostle Paul said it this way. He said, for we will all stand before the judgment seat of God, for it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow to me and every tongue will give praise to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Let me give you our bottom line thought for today so that we can kind of figure out where we're headed, okay? Our bottom line thought for today is this right here. When I identify with Jesus, I have influence for Jesus, which equals praise from Jesus. Let me read it again. When I identify with Jesus, I have influence for Jesus, which equals praise from Jesus. The Apostle Paul said it this way in Romans chapter one and verse number 16. He said, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is God's power for salvation to everyone who believes. The number one statistic or the number, not statistic, the number one thing that's given uh, uh, for Christ followers today for the reason why they don't share their God story Uh, According to some surveys that I did some research on, you may guess what it is. Fear. Somebody said it. Fear is the number one factor why we don't share our faith and our God's story. So let me ask you a simple question. Has anybody ever been afraid to share your faith at some point in time? I have. All right, it's something that we're all, we're all gonna struggle with. And, and I'm not exactly sure why that is, but, uh, but here's what I want us to understand today, all right? I wanna unpack some principles uh, from another passage of scripture that kind of parallel 
uh, Romans chapter 1 and Romans chapter 14 and what we've even read in Luke chapter 9 uh, for just a minute. But how many of you have ever been on an airplane flight where you had some turbulence? Everybody been on an airplane flight where you had turbulence? I have. I'm, I'm not a great flyer. I don't mind it really, but I don't I don't really like it uh, uh, so much where I have to do it all the time. But from time to time, when you get on an airplane, you're going to have some turbulence. And I don't know about you, but when I get in, in, in an airplane and there's some turbulence, I have a tendency to reach down and pull that seatbelt a little bit tighter. I'm going to reach down and grab that armrest a little bit tighter, you know, because I'm not really sure what's going on and I don't have any control of the situation. Then all of a sudden, in the middle of that turbulence, the pilot gets on the radio and he says, Sorry about that, ladies and gentlemen. We've experienced some turbulence. Just want to let you know we're going to try to find a, a little bit different altitude and hopefully things are going to smooth out here in just a minute, all right? And he comes, the pilot comes on. That's my best pilot impression, okay? Um, uh, the pilot comes on the radio. You know what I'm able to do in that moment? Whew. Somebody's in charge. And listen, the problem about the turbulence didn't change, but you know what? I heard the voice of the pilot. And it was the voice of the pilot that gave me confidence and courage to relax and to have faith and to trust in that moment. I want us to go to 2 Timothy chapter number um, one for just a minute. This is where we're gonna stay the rest of the day. 2 Timothy chapter one, verses eight through 12. I love this passage of scripture because the Apostle Paul is writing to young Timothy. And it's as if Paul, and he's at the end of his life, it's as if the Apostle Paul is passing the baton or the torch of, of church leadership to young Timothy. And as he passes the torch, he gives him some instructions and he reminds him of some principles that are very important as it relates to young Timothy being bold and courageous for his faith. And they're the same things that I think you and I need to understand and be reminded of today so that when we stand before King Jesus in that moment, we will not have to be ashamed and we will not have to uh, uh, worry about what Jesus is going to say to us in that moment. All right. So 2 Timothy chapter 1 verses 8 through 12. Here's what it says. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Instead, share in suffering for the gospel, relying on the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our own works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. This has now been made evident through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has abolished death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. For this gospel, I was appointed a herald, an apostle, and a teacher, and that is why I suffer these things. But I am not ashamed because I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to guard what has been entrusted to me until that day. So here's the first principle that Paul teaches to young Timothy. He says, Timothy, don't be afraid to identify with Jesus. Don't be afraid to identify with Jesus. I don't know about you, but over the last, the course of the last six months or so, um, I just got to where I, I just don't watch a whole lot of news anymore. I just don't listen to a whole lot about 
what's kind of screaming at us in the news media outlets today about all these voices from our culture and our society today. But there's one thing in particular that, I, uh, that has intrigued me. And I did a little bit of research and I promise you, I'm not gonna get political today, but I wanna talk just a second about this idea of identity politics. And that's a buzzword in our culture and our society today. And it seems like there are all of these voices that are screaming at us that we should identify with a certain group or identify ourselves as a certain way, as a way for our voice to be heard uh, so that others will take notice and, and, and a difference and a change can happen in our culture and our society. You know what, I just, I just Googled today uh, or this week identity politics and I found out that identity politics, that two word phrase is actually in the dictionary nowadays and it has made its way into our dictionary so I just read up a little bit about identity politics and here's what I found. It says identity politics is a term that describes a political approach wherein people of a, excuse me, of a particular gender, religion, race, social background, class or other identifying factor develop political agendas and organize based, on, based upon the interlocking systems of oppression that may affect their lives and come from various identities. Hang with me, I'm getting to a point in just a second. Identity politics centers the lived experiences of those facing various systems of oppression to better understand the ways in which racial, economic, sex-based, gender-based, and other forms of oppression are linked and here's my one point I wanna make, and to ensure that political agendas and political actions arising out of identity politics leave no one behind. I've got a better idea than identity politics. How about we, the church of Jesus Christ, get better at introducing our culture and our society to Jesus politics. And we help our culture understand and know that Jesus is the hope of the world, that Jesus is our savior, that Jesus is our Lord, and that we're committed to Jesus. And if they will commit to Jesus, he will not leave them behind ever, 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 never. And if we'll get really good at introducing our culture to Jesus politics, listen, there's not anything that will have a greater impact in our community and our world. There's not anything that will bring about more change and transformation than a bunch of new Jesus followers engaging in their relationship with him and growing up in their faith in him and living out their faith with boldness and courage and conviction and telling their God stories so that as many people as we possibly can can get into heaven one day. It's what I call Jesus politics. And it starts with us. It starts with the church of Jesus Christ. Why? Because it's his story that changed my story. And it's his story that will change your story. Listen to what Paul said there in 1 Corinthians chapter one. He said, it was Jesus who saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works. In other words, we can't earn it. We don't deserve it, not according to our works, 
but according to his purpose and his grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. This has now been made evident through the appearing of Jesus Christ, our Savior, who abolished death, who has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. So let me ask you a question. Are you afraid to identify with team Jesus? Is it evident in your sphere of influence that you're on team Jesus? I wanna show you a picture of my two boys. I'm proud of my boys. I have two boys, they're grown and gone. This is a couple years ago. Steven is our oldest, he's on the left, he's 28 years old. Uh, Bradley's on the right, he's 25 years old. Obviously, you can tell they're huge Carolina Tar Heel fans. We got any Tar Heels in the house, all right? Uh, I believe that North Carolina is God's country, and, uh, 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 but we're huge Carolina Tar Heel fans. And uh, this picture was taken at Dope Campbell Stadium just a couple years ago at Florida State University, uh, where the Florida State Seminoles were playing the Carolina Tar Heels uh, in football one particular Saturday. And our boys got tickets, and uh, they went to the game. And Karen and I are sitting at home one day watching the game. We knew that our boys were there. And all of a sudden on ESPN, the, 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 um, uh, the camera kind of scans the crowd, you know, like it does from time to time. And, uh, and we noticed something in the picture. Now, the next picture I'm going to show you is not a good quality picture because it's a picture of our TV, all right? And on ESPN, they, they scan the crowd, and, and in that crowd of garnet and gold, that sea of garnet and gold, were two boys in Carolina blue Tar Heel outfit. And that was, that was our boys. And you know what I thought there in that moment? is that my boys were brave <laughs> because they were actually in the student section of Florida State University. And all of that sea of garnet and gold, there was two young men who were proud enough and bold enough and courageous enough to stand up for their team. By the way, the Tar Heels won that game that day. <laughs> all right? But let me ask you, do people know you're on Team Jesus? Do they know that you identify with Team Jesus? So Paul says to young Timothy, don't, don't be ashamed to identify with Jesus. Number two, he says, Timothy, your courage is gonna come from God's spirit. Our courage is gonna come from God's spirit. Look at what he says in the last part of verse number eight. He says, relying on the power of God. I want to give you an Old Testament illustration and a New Testament illustration. We'll go to the New Testament first. And it's Acts chapter number five, verses 29 through 23. Let me give you a little bit of backstory real quick. This is after Jesus has appeared to the disciples after his resurrection. He's commanded them to go into all the world and make disciples. He's ascended back up into heaven off of the Mount of Olives. They have gathered together in Jerusalem and God has sent the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. And now Peter and the apostles, they're bold and courageous in their faith and they go out into the city of Jerusalem and they begin to teach and preach about Jesus as the Savior, as the Messiah. And, and because of their faith, they're arrested they're beaten 
and they're told, don't ever preach in the name of Jesus again. You know what they do? They go right back out in the streets and they begin preaching in the name of Jesus. Why? Because they're on team Jesus, because they've seen the resurrected Jesus, because they're convinced and believe that Jesus is the Messiah that they have been waiting for for thousands of years and they cannot help but be bold and courageous from Jesus. And in Acts chapter number five, verses 29 through 23, it says this, and Peter and the other apostles replied, talking to the religious people of the day, we must obey God rather than man. The God of our father raised Jesus from the dead whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. But God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior, that he might give repentance and forgiveness of sins to Israel. And then look at here, and we are witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. And when they heard this, they were furious and they wanted to put them to death. What were the apostles doing? They were relying on the spirit of God that God had given them to be bold and courageous in their faith and in their testimony about Jesus. Let me give you an Old Testament story. In 2 Chronicles chapter number 32, basically we have the Assyrian army that's about to attack what's left of the nation of Israel, uh, the, uh, the part known that we would know as, as Judah. And the Israelites are afraid because the king of Assyria is advancing to them. And King Hezekiah kind of steps up and he gives the nation of Israel a little bit of a peck talk. And he reminds them about the God of their fathers. And here's what he said in 2 Chronicles chapter 32, verses 7 and 8. He says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of the king of Assyria and the vast army with him. Look here, for there is a greater power with us than with him. With him is only the arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battle. And look here, and the people gained confidence for what Hezekiah, the king of Judah, had said. Let me just give you a little word of caution If you choose to identify with Team Jesus, it wasn't a popular message in Jesus's day, and it's not a popular message in our day today. I think that's why uh, Paul mentioned to Timothy in verse number eight and verse number 12, he, he talked about suffering. And certainly we see in the Acts account there where the apostles were willing to suffer for the cause of Christ. But the bottom line is this right here. We don't have to be fearful when it comes to identifying with King Jesus. We don't have to be fearful when it comes to identifying with King Jesus because our authority comes from him. And we have the spirit of the living God. If you're a Christ follower, you have the spirit of the living God living with inside you. And Paul said, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. You know what? All God asks us to do is to share our faith and tell our God's story. And the power is in the gospel. The power is in the God behind the gospel. The the spirit of God who lives in us will give us the courage and the boldness that we need in that moment. All God wants us to do is just open our mouths and tell our story. And you know what? You and I live in a culture and a society in a day and time where we have literally at our fingertips Um, uh, tools and resources that we can share our God story with people literally all over planet earth. 
all over the globe. And that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to find our courage from his spirit who lives within us and identify with Jesus and tell our God's story. Here's the third principle. We're almost done. He says, Timothy, the reward is greater than the risk. The reward is greater than the risk. Look at what he says in verse number 12. He says, and this is why I suffer these things, but I am not ashamed. You see his boldness again? But I am not ashamed because I know, I don't hope, I don't think so. He says, I know that I have believed and am persuaded that he is able, that's Jesus, that he is able to guard what has been entrusted to me until that day. Church, can I tell you something that God has entrusted to us? God has entrusted to us the greatest story in all of human history. And it's our duty and our responsibility as Christ's followers to share our God's story and to tell people about Jesus. And he says, I am, I am, I am convinced that what I have believed and I am persuaded that he is able, he's going to accomplish it. He's going to guard what's been entrusted to me until that day. Until what day? Remember what he said in Luke chapter 9? Jesus said, until the day when I return in all of my glory and that of the Father and that of the holy angels. And I get it. You might be saying, but, but Pastor Brian, I don't know what to say. I don't know if I'm going to have answers to questions that people have. You know what? Here's all I can tell you in that moment. If you will be obedient to share your God story, God will give you the, the, the things that he wants you to share and the answers to the questions that you need. And if you don't have the answer to those questions, you can say, you know what? I just don't know, but let's go find out together. Let's go, let's go check into that together. Let me give you three talking points. I want to help you out a little bit today. Let me give you three talking points as it relates to sharing your faith these are three things that you will have in common with every single person that you will ever encounter on planet Earth. I don't care who you encounter on planet Earth, you're going to have these three things in common with them. Number one, you're all going to be sinners. You're both going to be sinners. Uh, number two, you're, all, you're both going to die. All right, it's appointed unto man once to die. And number three, you're both counting time by Jesus of Nazareth. We're all counting time by Jesus of Nazareth. So if something happened 2,021 years ago that was important enough that time was split in half between BC and AD, it just makes sense to me that we investigate who that person was and what that event was all about. And that's a great starting point for you to have conversation with people about your faith. And those are three things that you will have in common with every single person that you will ever, ever encounter. So let me ask you one last question. When was the last time that you took a risk and that you shared your God story? When was the last time you took a risk and you shared your God story? Maybe with a friend or a neighbor, maybe with a family member, a boss, a coworker, or yes, even bold and courageous enough to do it with a stranger. When was the last time that you shared your God story. And I'm going to challenge you. Here's your application for this week. Go share your God story with one person this week. Just go share it with one person this week. And listen, if over the course of the next 12 months, if every single Christ follower 
just introduced one person in our sphere of influence to Jesus and invited them to church, we would have the potential in 12 months to double the size of our church at Epic. We literally could double in 12 months if every Christ follower would decide, you know what, I'm going to reach one person over the next 12 months. So who can you share your God story with today? I want to remind you about our spiritual growth challenge. You can pick one up on your way out today. You can download it online. Let's finish the book of Luke this week. Uh, we're reading through the whole gospel of Luke, and we can finish that in Luke chapter 19 uh, down through verse number 24. And uh, there's some great other resources and some things on the spiritual growth challenge that are going to help you as it relates to our talk today. But as we close today, our worship team's going to come out, and they're going to lead us in one of my favorite songs. It's called We Believe. And um, it's an anthem. And I want to challenge you to sing this song today with a boldness and a confidence that, that when you leave here today, um, if God gives you the opportunity this week, you're just going to be bold and courageous and identify on Team Jesus. You're going to share your God story and you're going to trust God to do whatever he wants to do in somebody else's life. And here's what I can promise you will happen. Number one, you're going to be obedient to God. And when you're obedient to God, he's never going to be ashamed of you. All right. Number two, you may plant a seed of the gospel in somebody's life that has never been planted before. Or you may water a seed in somebody's life that somebody else has already planted. But at the end of the day, God's going to give the increase in his perfect timing and in his perfect way. He just chooses to use people like you and me who are going to be obedient to identify with him, to trust his spirit who lives within us and take the risk and share our story. So let's pray. I want to invite you to stand to your feet, if you will. And our band's going to come and lead us and we're going to close out our service today. Um, so God, thanks for today and for your word the opportunity we have to, um, to unpack it today. Jesus, thank you for the instruction that you give us that helps us understand how we can apply principles from your word to our life. And Lord, I pray for every person here today that identifies with you as a Christ follower. Lord, I know it's fearful, and I know that there are times and circumstances in our life, Lord, where we're just scared and afraid or maybe ashamed um, to tell our story. Um, but Lord, um, you can help us overcome that. And I'm convinced in those moments when we're prompted by your spirit to, to speak up and to share our story that, Lord, those are some of the, the greatest times where you show up and do some of the neatest things in us and through us. And Lord, I believe in those moments you've already prepared people's hearts. And um, Lord, so we just ask for boldness and courage today to be able to go out and share our faith and identify with you this week. And Lord, look for opportunities that we have to introduce somebody to you. And Lord, I know that this is an area where, where I struggle and where I've failed you before. And Lord, I'm sorry today. Lord, I ask you to keep giving me opportunities to have encounters with people who need to know how much you love them. And how much you care for them. That you died for them. And you want to spend eternity with them. And you want to be near to them on this side of eternity. And help them with the difficulties and struggles that we face in life. 
So Lord, use us this week to be your hands and your feet and your voice to be able to speak truth into people's lives and trust you to accomplish what you want to accomplish. For it's all these things I pray. I ask in your name today. Amen.